Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. There is no other topic talked about more often by Jesus than the kingdom of heaven, sometimes called the kingdom of God. And growing up, whenever I would read this phrase, kingdom of heaven in the scriptures, I always pictured heaven in the future, right? I'm there, there's the pearly gates, the apostle Peter standing on a cloud, there's gold everywhere, streets are paved with gold, he's got the Lamb's book of life, and uh, there's this beautiful angelic choir that's singing. Perhaps you too, when you hear the phrase kingdom of heaven, similar images arise in your mind. The Bible certainly paints a beautiful picture of the world to come, but I am convinced that that is not what Jesus is referring to when he says kingdom of God. He's not talking about heaven in the future. He's speaking of heaven now. He is not speaking about the afterlife. He's speaking about this life. And he's not teaching us about leaving humanity. He's teaching us about loving humanity. And this kingdom that Jesus inaugurates is characterized by its leader, right? The, Keva, the kingdom of heaven looks like Jesus. It runs counter to the kingdoms of this world. And right now in this season in the political history of America, we often find Christians getting caught up in the political debates. We see Christians striving for power, striving for control, striving for political clout in the kingdom of America. And my question is, do we ever see Jesus striving for political power like that? It seems to me that if this king and his kingdom is to be different and to look different than all other kingdoms, then his people should look different as well. And as Christians, many of us are pledging allegiance to parties and platforms instead of Christ and to his kingdom. We're pledging allegiance to liars when we should be pledging our allegiance to the Lamb. So when it comes to politics, when it comes to our allegiance, we pledge allegiance to the Lamb. A Lamb is a young sheep, right? It's defenseless against an enemy. Sheep don't have any power. They're not fast, they can't run away. They don't have sharp teeth or fangs, that would be scary. They don't have claws. Uh, there's no camouflage, right? Unless a sheep is hiding among the clouds, they're going to get found by whatever predator is seeking them. They have a low survival rate. Why then has a lamb become the ultimate symbol of Christ? See, very early in Christian history, the lamb was used to represent the suffering love of God. When John the Baptist sees Jesus walking towards him, he says, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb remains a powerful image that contradicts its weak nature. It highlights the fact that the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. And how often God works through weakness to bring about the greatest good. So in this political season and beyond, are you tired of donkeys? Are you tired of elephants? Try the lamb. Jesus came to introduce the kingdom of God to earth. This upside down kingdom 
It's where the king laid down his life for his subjects rather than having the subjects lay their life down for him. And this is so very different than the kingdom of this world. And the kingdom of God will always, in some detail and at some level, conflict with the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of the world trusts in the power of the sword to control behavior, while the kingdom of God trusts the power of sacrificial love to transform human hearts. The kingdom of the world is concerned by preserving law and order through force, but the kingdom of God is concerned with establishing the rule of God through love. The kingdom of the world is characterized by judgment. The kingdom of God is characterized by outrageous, even scandalous grace. Jesus didn't come to be a footnote to a political platform. He didn't come to support an entire existing structure. Tony Evans puts it this way, Jesus didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. He came to replace everything that was in place, to reverse the order of things. So when we edit, when we filter Jesus through a political platform or through a political party, we rob the message that changed the world. We cannot be first and foremost party people. And I'm not speaking of, you know, your freshman year of college or whoop, there it is. Uh, we can't be party people. We rather focus in on the life and teachings of Jesus and that's where our loyalty lies. Jesus didn't try and take over the world with political power. Though he rightfully owned the entire cosmos, by choice, he had no place to lay his head. Though he rightfully should have been honored by the world's most esteemed dignitaries, he chose to fellowship with tax collectors, drunks, prostitutes, and other socially unacceptable sinners. Though he rightfully could have demanded service and worship from all, he served the lame and the sick by healing them, the demonized by delivering them, and the outcasts by befriending them. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom doesn't look like any political party. The early Christians refused unconditional loyalty to the emperors, even the good ones who were nice. The early church had this culturally disruptive unity. It stood in contrast to the kingdom of Rome. It was disturbing. It was unsettling. It was actually dangerous to the Roman Empire. And that's why the empire decided to strike back. May the force be with you. The kingdom of God at first was, was so disorienting for the ancient world. Dignity belonged to the slave and the sick. Women had value and a voice. And they didn't kill their enemies, they loved their enemies. This was a kill or be killed world and the kingdom of Christ turned it all upside down. The lion became a lamb and overcame the grave through love. So at first it was disorienting, then it became contagious. Against all odds, this small group of people who are following this, this dead Nazarene, this, this crucified rabbi with no territory, no military, no authority, no political standing, and their message was built around two pathetic ideas, love God and love each other. And this band of disciples not only survived, but thrived. This is the kingdom that Jesus brings, and this is the kingdom that we are called to bring as well. Jesus says this in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. He's saying, my kingdom's different. I don't fight for power. That's not my kingdom. That's not what my people do. 
Jesus's kingdom is different altogether. It's not about beating our enemies. It's about loving our enemies. It's not about power over people. It's about power under people. It's not about the selfishness of the flesh. It's about the selflessness of the spirit. America might be one of the better versions of the kingdom of this world, but it's still a kingdom of this world. God's kingdom is very different. And that's where our primary allegiance lies. And I believe that a significant segment of the American church is, is guilty of nationalistic and political idolatry. Christ can often be fused with this kingdom of this world. Rather than focusing our understanding of God's kingdom on the person of Jesus, who never allowed himself to be pulled into the political debates of his day, I believe many of us Christians have allowed our understanding of the kingdom of God to be polluted by political ideals, agendas, and issues. May it not be so. May our lives be displayed as Christ's sacrificial love. May we be loyal to the Lamb. Now, there's so much to say about God's kingdom and our, its relationship to our politics, but let's get really practical here. How can we live out the kingdom ethic of Jesus in this political climate? You can write this down. Your input determines your output. Your input determines your output. Check out this verse during this election season, Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Dwell on those things. Your input determines your output. Several years ago, someone in our church uh, was a correctional officer and he worked actually at Corcoran Prison. And he was telling me how difficult it was to shine the light of Jesus, to be a presence of love in the middle of that prison. It was difficult. So he's telling me about his, his drive, an hour plus drive each day to work. And so I said, well, what do you listen to uh, when, you're, when you're driving? He says, I listen to conservative talk radio. I go, okay. Um, and you, that resonates with you? And he's like, yeah, you know, I pretty much agree with every word. And I go, okay, well, how does it make you feel? He says, angry at politicians angry at media, uh, really just angry. And okay, do me a favor. Uh, turn that off on your drive. Listen to the gospels. Listen to some sermons. Listen to some worship music. And just do that for a week and just see what happens. And we met the next week and you know what he told me. He says, it was amazing. I, I was able to be sensitive to God's spirit in a new way. I was, I, was, I was encouraging and uplifting and loving my other officers. And not only that, but I was encouraging and lifting up the inmates. Yes, that is what the kingdom of heaven is about. And that's what Paul's saying. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, if anything is admirable or praiseworthy, think about such things. For those of you who only watch or listen to Fox News, Turn it off for a week. Read the Gospels. Liberals are not people you are called to hate. They are people you are called to love. And this doesn't just go for the conservatives, right? Liberals too. As Christians, 
It is not your call to hate our president. It is your call to pray for our president. Here's what I'm trying to say this weekend. Over party and over politics, Christians are to be a proleptic witness to Christ's kingdom. Now, what does proleptic mean? Proleptic is a grammatical term where an event is so sure to come, so certain to be the case, that it is spoken of in the present tense. For example, my son, Dex, he's seven. Whenever it is time for us to get in the car and to go somewhere, uh, he drags his feet. He wants to continue doing whatever he was doing. And sometimes we'll say, well, we're going to leave you. You're going to be all home by yourself. He's seven. We're not going to do that, obviously. Okay? We love him. Uh, but he'll be upstairs doing whatever's thing, and I'll say, and I'm with Ivy in the kitchen, and we're getting ready to get in the car, and I'll say, son, I'm in the car. And Ivy turns to me and says, dad, we're not in the car. We're in the kitchen. Now, sweetheart, that was a proleptic statement. It is so certain to be the case, even if it's in the future, I'm stating it as if it is present reality now. And my three-year-old daughter understood every detail of what I was saying. This is one way of describing the Christian church and our purpose in bringing heaven to earth. And I believe it is the key to Christian ethics and the key to Christian politics. Christian discipleship calls us to a proleptic stance, which we embody and bear witness to the coming kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of Christ entails generosity. Thus, we are generous now. The kingdom entails the unlearning of war. Thus, we become people of peace in the present. The kingdom of God entails the righting of all wrongs. Thus, we right wrongs. Christians believe that the glorious reign of God has already been inaugurated in Christ. It has broken into history, and we live that reality here and now. Our primary role as Christians is not to leave the world, but to love the world. Our primary role as Christians is not to go to heaven, but rather to live the realities of heaven here now. And that means we are to help set the world right, not through political power or through political manipulation, but through suffering love. This is what the kingdom of God is about. When God flexes his omnipotent muscles, it doesn't look like Rambo or the Terminator. It looks like Calvary's cross, suffering love. It looks like a lamb. The question that wins the world is not, how can we get our morally superior way of life enforced in the world? The question that wins the world, the question that must define citizens of the kingdom of God is how do we take up our cross for the world? How do we best communicate their unsurpassable worth to God? How do we serve and wash the feet of the oppressed and the least of these? This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And it doesn't look like any political party. It looks like humility. It looks like grace. It looks like service. It looks like Jesus. And it doesn't look like donkeys or elephants. It looks like a lamb. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We are to be a proleptic witness to the kingdom of God. Brian Zahn explains it this way by using our imagination, and I'm gonna need you to do the same. Use your imagination. Uh, I'm gonna, let's put ourselves in a time machine, and you've got a mission. You're gonna be transported back 
to Montgomery, Alabama in 1850. And your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to convince the first conservative church in Montgomery to change its stance on slavery. Good luck. What would you say? I would suggest you tell the truth. Tell them that you are from the future. Tell them about a coming war that is horrible beyond our imagination. Tell them about a tall man born in a log cabin in Kentucky. Tell them about the Emancipation Proclamation. Tell them about the 14th Amendment and all of the wrongs that it will make right. Perhaps you could take them further into the future. You could tell them other things. Tell them about a woman from their own town who refused to change seats on a bus. Tell them about a preacher from Atlanta named after a leader of the Protestant Reformation. Tell them about this man's dream and how one day he will die a martyr's death and be a pastor in their own city. Tell them where the future is headed. And then tell them, perhaps, about the first African-American president we've ever had. Then give them CPR. You might say it like this. My dear Christian friends, I am from the future. I am a proleptic witness of that which is to come. And the future does not belong to you. The future does not belong to your system. The future does not belong to slavery. The future belongs to emancipation. The future belongs to equality. The future belongs to freedom. The future belongs to justice. If you were to preach such a message in 1850 at the first conservative church in Montgomery, Alabama, you would be in essence saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you'd be lucky to make it out alive. We are to be the foreshadowing of heaven on earth. The call of Christians, the call of citizens of God's kingdom is to not put our faith, trust, or hope in a party or a politician. The call of Christ followers is not to use kingdom of this world strategies in bringing about God's kingdom to gain power, influence, to enforce our way of life. No, the call of Christ followers is to be a proleptic witness to the kingdom of God through sacrificial love. The call of Christians is to pledge allegiance to the Lamb. God, we pray that it would be so, that we would be less known by what we are against and more known for what we are for. We need you in this, Jesus. Let your love shine in the middle of our questions and wrestling through the political climate in this season. Let us shine for your kingdom and may we help bring it on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.